Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Build Smart podcast with Claire, where we discuss new and innovative ways to create healthier, more efficient buildings uh, for occupant well-being and operational excellence. To access this episode and others, check out Build Smart with Claire wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Claire is your trusted provider for intelligent air quality solutions with award-winning sensors, powerful analytics, and research-backed strategies. I'm your host, Harry, and today we have a very special guest with us, um, ASHRAE fellow, Kathleen Owen. Uh, Hello, Kathleen. How are you today? Thanks for joining us. Glad to. Um, So, Kathleen, could you uh, give us a little bit of a background about yourself to let the audience know kind of your experience and... Um, I'm a chemical engineer by training and more or less an aerosol physicist or air cleaner researcher by 35 years of experience. I've been doing air cleaner testing, standard development, um, IQ type work for about 35 years. Um, I think my first ASHRAE project was back in maybe 1985. So I've been doing ASHRAE type work for a long time. Um, I'm currently chair of ASHRAE 522, which is the test that gives the MERV and a past chair of the gas phase air cleaner test method. So I kept my hands on a number of different pots that relate to air cleaning and air quality. Awesome. So 30 plus years in ASHRAE. Um, I believe you said you were a fellow for 15 years now almost? Well, I've been a fellow for just a year and a half. Oh, okay. But and a member a, for about 15. Awesome. Great. Um, so I guess without further ado, um, we can get into some topics um, regarding you know, what everyone wants to hear about uh, today, which is um, the pandemic. So being from, you know, the largest HVAC association in the United States, um, have you seen any trends since the onset of COVID-19 with regards to the way we manage our buildings, indoor air, HVAC systems, uh, things of that like? De- um, definitely. I guess one of the biggest things that happened is early on, because for those of us who have seen past epidemics and you know infectious diseases be airborne, transported by airborne means, um, the first recommendation was to turn off the HVAC. And we very quickly realized as it got hotter in the south and over the summer that we couldn't continue that and open that back up. So the the trend to opening things back up, but also to trying to use the data that was coming in on the situation and changing the information that we were putting out has been a biggie. Um, Because the ASHRAE ETF, the Epidemic Task Force, um, suggests that you use MERV 13 filters or the equivalent. We it's not a legal requirement, it's just what the suggestion is. But one of the big trends of the year has been that it's really hard to buy MERV 13 filters, mm. um, which it didn't even occur to us early on. But so in terms of trying to meet the need for people to be able to clean their air to a decent standard, we've been moving toward equivalency. How does outdoor air relate to cleaned indoor air? And should you put in in-room air cleaners to you know, add cleaning when you can't get it from your HVAC and how much should you run your filter? And I think one of the biggest pushes that we've been trying to do lately is to remind people that your HVAC system or your indoor air cleaner has to be running for it to work. And that, um, oh, what was the other thing? Um, oh, filters need to be sealed in so that the air doesn't go around them. And Traditionally, people have known that, but a lot of filters in buildings are put into slots that are too big. So trying to get people to be sure their filters fit 
in the areas going through them and as much as possible. I think that's, those are big goals that we've had in trying mm -hmm. to get the word out this year. Totally. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like um, air filters have become quite the buzz around town. <laughs> air uh, filters and air cleaners. Yeah. yeah, now that uh, COVID is here, um, I know that there's, you know, the high demand for high efficiency MERV-13 filters, hospital grade filters. Um, these are being used to promote health, healthy air quality. Um, with this like new onset of popularity, have you seen any challenges associated with uh, the new spike in filter interest? I know you said um, that inventory might be running low. And is there any other things that people should be worried about? Let's see. Arranging to get the filters is one. Um, sealing them in. Um, I think what else? I guess I personally worry a lot about um, people choosing alternatives that don't clean their air as well. So one of the things that I try to tell people is if you're going to buy an air cleaner that's not either based on filtration or a very well-designed UV device, you need to be sure you get information on how well it works for your intended application, probably from the manufacturer, because the information just isn't out there on a lot of the devices. But if you're going to put you know, an in-room air cleaner with one technology in with a filter, that's fine as long as you make sure that either both of them are working or you understand it. One of the other things is um, simply trying to help people understand things like if, if you blow the air cleaner really fast, but you're blowing it at the top of the table where the things may have settled out and you might re-entrain dust. Likewise, the floor. So getting people, which is a wonderful thing to be able to do and hopefully it will continue forward, but if you're gonna use an air cleaner or um, have a vent that's blowing a lot of air, pay attention to where it's blowing and don't try to make big gusts that might cause you more trouble. Um, I've talked to a number of people that are doing things like trying to make sure like that the corner where some of the students are sitting is also mm -hmm. addressed. You know, that you're not putting the air in on one side of the room, taking it out on the other and not cleaning the, the room. So I love it that more people are paying attention to their air quality and how their air filters and HVAC can help them because Going forward, a lot of the things that are being done now will help with PM 2.5 exposure or may help with the next pandemic. It's not, you know, we need it now, but we, we do have other air quality issues to deal with mm -hmm. besides um, the COVID. Um, one other thing that's been interesting is um, what the one of the first recommendations for the HVAC is make sure you're, it's working the way it's supposed to to start with. So totally, I think yeah. a lot of people have gone in and you, you still need to meet your outdoor air requirements per standards. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can't just stop doing the things you normally need to do. You know, when we say increase outdoor air, that's because outdoor air is not likely to have COVID. But if you've got dirty outdoor air, you can't do that. You know, so don't just open your window if you're next to a, I don't know, somebody tarring their roof. It's not going to be good for you. Mm -hmm. So, but I, getting people to think about it and getting more work out there and having a lot of people excited about it. I mean, I think more people in the world now know what a MERV is than ever before. That is absolutely You hear it true, on the I'm nighttime sure. news. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For sure. So I guess, I guess going along that same uh, note, so outside of, you know, just COVID-19, do, do you see any common mistakes in the building managers, the facility managers, 
um, when historically when they're trying to manage their indoor air quality? Any um, mistakes that they make that could probably be avoidable? I honestly don't know a lot about that, that mm -hmm. topic. Um, I'm really very much a filtration person. So um, I hear stories about things like people trying to humidify because there's touted ranges where say the organisms are less likely to be well healthy mm -hmm. and ending up with mold issues or things of that sort. But that's just stories I'm hearing because I'm not a HVAC hardware person per se. Um, clearly we're having issues if people are trying to get the MERV 13 and are getting too much pressure drop in their system and not getting enough air in. Mm -hmm. And that's something we're trying to warn against, but I think not everybody listens. But I haven't heard any huge horror stories. It's just something we worry about. Um, and so, <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, so then um, I guess then going more in towards the, the filtration aspect of indoor air quality, um, do you have any recommendations um, for those who are um, implementing new filtration solutions, spending money on these systems? Um, whether it be air cleaners or, um, you know, higher efficiency filters, do you have any recommendations for them before they might invest a large sum of money? Well, one of them, my, my biggest one is if you're upgrading filters, so like not a new installation, like new building, but a new, uh, new filters, be sure your system can handle any increase in pressure drop. Mm -hmm. um, you need to look at your, you know, your fan efficiency curves and things of that sort, but you don't want to have something that will stop your airflow or will keep you from getting enough of your outdoor air or your, mess up your temperature and humidity. Noting that there are a lot of ways to accomplish that. Um, if your filters are normally expected to run, say, from 0.2 to 1 inch, but you get a 0.3 inch filter, it's not necessarily too high because you are already set up to run to 1 inch. Just don't run to 1, you know, don't run too high. Um, if you have currently a one inch deep filter, but the place you're putting it is two inches deep. If you can get a two inch deep filter instead of a one inch deep, you may actually even get lower pressure drop. So the pressure drop is hugely important in terms of getting your airflow to work, but it's not necessarily something you can't work around. That said, if you can't put in a, you know, if you're at a MERV six or MERV eight, you know, low efficiency, relatively mm -hmm. low, and you can go up one or two levels, You've improved things, even if you didn't get to where you, you wanted to. And it's better to do that than to do nothing. Um, one of the things I like to focus on is our goal is to improve things. We're never going to get perfect because the major route for COVID transmission is the person sitting next to you or across the table from you coughing on you. Or, you know, the mask is way more important, your face mask, way more important than your filter. Mm -hmm. So you're never going to fix the problem of somebody right next to you. But there's a lot of little things you can do if you can't do, you know, the suggestion that's the top, you know, put MERV 13 or better everywhere. Put in a MERV 11, add a room air cleaner. You know, there's a lot of ways to do that. Other things though that in my mind that have nothing to do particularly with COVID, um, there's been a lot of wildfires lately. And we're trying to come up with some guidance for people with wildfires. But if you've got a wildfire and you don't want to let the air in, you still need to get your, you know, enough 
air to, to dilute your CO2, but that's a different issue. There's particles and gases in that. So um, we're trying to work toward more guidance for some other situations, especially when they come together. Because if you're closing the windows for one problem and opening them for another, you're not having good guidance. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a lot of the groups at ASHRAE in my air cleaner world are trying to work toward having more standardized tests for more different types of air cleaners. Um, ASTM is also working on some of that. So we are hopeful that before we have another pandemic, which we will have, it just hopefully won't be for a long time. Hopefully we will have a lot more air cleaners certified or tested so that people will know how they work and know where to put them in their, um, their bookshelf maybe of different things that they can put into the room, different ideas you can pop in. Um, so the push that we have now to get that done is helping us get moving in ways that we hadn't necessarily done before. Yeah, gotcha. So like making sure that, you know, if people don't necessarily have um, all of the top of the line filters and, you know, the, the best HVAC systems running, trying to figure out a way to ensure that no matter what, you're still getting enough fresh air in that in that space with the help of air cleaners and, and whatnot. We also think at least that some building owners that are building new buildings may go ahead and put a little bit of slack in their system or a little bit of extra oomph. I don't quite know how to define it. There's probably better mm -hmm. science-y or HVAC-y words, but mm -hmm. to say, Maybe I'm only, I've only, I'm only required to put a MERV-8 in now, but I want to be able to put a MERV-13 in if something else happens. And just design buildings to have that little bit of spare mm -hmm. to be able to retrofit the next time we need it for six months or so. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so then um, another thing, um, aside from the high efficiency filters, um, you know, these new kind of, high performance, you know, cutting edge clean air systems like bipolar ionization, um, advanced air cleaning technologies, things like that. Um, they've been gaining market traction rather quickly in, yes. in the coming, in the past several months. Um, do you, what is your experience with the efficacy of these solutions? I guess uh, maybe touching on bipolar ionization, um, if you've had any experience testing or... I have some experience, a lot of it covered by NDA. So that's mm -hmm. kind of a, a trick. What I can say is that the publicly available data is um, of variable quality and often not scientifically rigorous. And that is not saying they don't have the data. It's saying mm -hmm. I can't find it publicly accessible. Me and yeah, everybody else who's looking. Um, a lot of the studies that you'll see on people's websites say 95% efficient in two days, but they don't say that it's for surfaces. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to clean a surface, that's fine if you want to wait two days for your surface to be clean, but it doesn't help you in your air. So that's not saying they don't work well in air. It's saying it's hard to find it. Um, there's also one of the things you have to do with an air cleaner in testing it is test it test the same situation with and without the air cleaner. Mm. Because if your COVID is going to be gone in two days without an air cleaner, if it's gone in two days with the air cleaner, you probably don't need to buy the air cleaner. Understood. And a lot of the data, I assume they have it, and it may very well even be that the website claims of how whatever percent efficient 
take that into account. But if they don't say so or show me where they got that data, to me, it's, it's not good enough for me to make the judgment. Gotcha. So I really like to believe that these things are, are working well on COVID and other things. I just need the scientific data before, as a researcher, as a, I'm, not, I'm an engineer, not a scientist, but I'm a research engineer. Um, before I would be comfortable saying this is a good de device to use. The other issue we have, and it, a number of these different devices, because there's quite a few different ones that are using reactive species, ions, ozone, OH, um, to try to get rid of the contaminant as opposed to just um, filter it out. Mm -hmm. um, they can make byproducts, and they also make some stuff that they put in the air on purpose. So for bipolar ionization, how many ions do you need to work, but how many ions are safe? I don't know the answer to either of those. Um, for some of the products, even if you're treating, say, COVID, or if you're tr trying to remove particles, you may also be treating formaldehyde or toluene or whatever in your air. So you can get breakdown products from things that aren't your contaminant of interest. So we need to see more data on what's coming out of the air cleaners. So are they safe to function? And again, I'm not saying that any particular device isn't safe. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying I don't have enough information on the technology overall or even portions of it to be confident in saying one way or the other if they're effective or safe, which is a long-winded way to say, huh. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it totally makes sense. Do you, do you, go ahead. Sorry. It, it scares me to see them taking over, but I'm just really hopeful that they work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, honestly, right at the moment, if they're killing the COVID and putting a tiny bit of something in the air, right now, that's all to the good. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I want people to live but I want to see us have that good data set in the near future. I mean, we have to get good tests, but we also have to get people to use them and share the data. Mm -hmm. And I really, a lot of companies don't like to share the data for many good reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, for one thing, it's boring to read. You know, a short thing that says we get rid of 95% is a whole lot easier than a two-page report with, you know, and under these conditions, we got this result, and therefore, by the math, you get, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you, so. do you see um, ASHRAE conducting any of their own personal um, testing of these products in the coming future um, in the same way? Okay. ASHRAE does not test products for people. Mm -hmm. We de develop test methods. We put the test methods out there. Sometimes individual research projects that are aimed at some particular goal can test certain projects, products, but even then we're not allowed to say what the products are. Totally. You say it's a bipolar ionization device that was 24 by 24 and had you know, so much airflow or a UV PCO that used a TiO2 catalyst with such and such a wavelength, but you can't say the product. So that doesn't help somebody go out in the market and buy it unless they're real savvy. Mm -hmm. um, totally. Now that said, there a lot of these products have been tested by in academic settings. There's a good bit of peer-reviewed literature on devices that were set up and then tinkered with by the grad student to get good results, or that were tested in a 
one cubic foot box. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, so if that's, there's, there's a difference between that and getting device or information on devices that are actually the type that are being sold. So, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, okay. I want everything. <laughs> it's yeah, no, that makes a lot data. of but sense. With filters, we have so many years worth of data. You know, you know if you're putting filter media up there that's going to catch something. It's just a question of what. You know, we know the wavelength of UV light that will, I don't want to say kill, but kill or inactivate organisms. It's just a question of getting the right amount and in a place that's safe to use it. So we have a lot more history with the, the, those two types of air cleaners. Gotcha, gotcha. Great. Um, Neither are so perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so then I guess aside from the more uh, the technology that are used to, you know, actually physically clean the air, um, do you have any opinions on more data centric solutions um, like such as real time air quality monitoring for spaces? Um, do you see any any use cases for gathering this data um, that might be beneficial to the HVAC technicians or the stakeholders, the building owners, facility managers, things of that nature? See, there are an awful lot of things that would be useful. Mm -hmm. Whether they're cost effective would be a different question. Um, I know one of the things that we've talked about for many years is like the change out timing on filters. And in theory, we do it to a certain pressure drop, but in practice, because it's easier to have somebody go in once a year and change all the filters than it is to monitor gauges or um, you know, go in with devices every three months to see if your filters are ready to be changed out. People, you know, it's just better to change them before it's likely that there's a problem. Um, it would be really nice to be able to have some way to say, oh, you know, this filter bank is ready or this, yeah. I don't know at what point that becomes practical. Um, with regard to gas phase air cleaners, that's one of the things where you really can't look at a carbon bed and see if it looks used up. Whereas at least with a really dirty media filter that's been exposed to cat hair and you know, things of that sort, you can look at them often to see that they're really awful. Or you know, the, the pressure drop can be measured. The gas carbon bed of you know, sorbent pellets, it's not gonna change pressure drop, at least not much, unless, unless something really weird gets stuck in it, because in general, they don't catch particles well. But I think it would be wonderful and it would help the gas phase air cleaners catch on for getting rid of some of the contaminants in the air if we could tell when things were breaking through. Because mm -hmm. right now, you either have to change them when it starts smelling bad or on a schedule or uh, you know, punch a section out and send it off for testing and see if it's got the contaminant in it. But it would be, you know, a TVOC monitor of some sort upstream and downstream, or even just downstream would give you an idea of what's happening. That would be really nice. Um, it's just that gas phase air cleaners aren't as popular. I don't know what the you know the market would be like or the the use, but there's definitely places that are trying to control ozone or VOCs that I think having 
relatively cheap but easy to get the information from sensors that could be used either in the HVAC or in rooms would make the market, I don't know if explode, but at least grow quickly because mm -hmm. people would know what they were doing and have some feeling that it was helping. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, seeing that kind of the visual that, you know, this air cleaner is delivering clean air and here's the proof of it with, yes. with these sensors. Um, is the same kind of go as the gases are the same kind of apply to things like uh, particulate matter in the air? Um, I would think it might be really a good thing to use in conjunction with some of the air cleaners that aren't filters. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really thought about that a lot, but some of those that we don't exactly know how they work or how, you know, how they work for different levels of sources, being able to monitor it would be great. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. With with filters, I, the thing is, with filters, charged media filters drop in efficiency early on. After that, and for non-charged filters, they go up in efficiency as they get dirty. So the the question, unless something pulls out of the frame, the question is the pressure drop it's unlikely for a filter that long-term you're going to start getting a lot more stuff downstream unless you're talking in those first few months on an electret, in which case if you're worried about that enough to put a sensor in, you're probably not buying the electret filter because you would know that it drops in efficiency. Got it. So, yeah, I mean, so it seems like, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I think, um, but, sorry, go, go ahead. Please. I bet you there's a hundred different opinions on that topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm We've sure been wishing are. for sensors for a lot of years, but it's always been that the ones that were in, were good enough were a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars, and they're you know not practical. Mm -hmm. But they've come down a lot in the last say ten years. Mm -hmm. um, there's a sensor project that just finished up. I don't think their final report is out yet. It might be, but there was one on um, particle sensors. Um, and we're gearing up to try to do one on gas, gaseous contaminant sensors. So good bit of interest. Gotcha. So maybe in the, in the coming months, years, there'll be some more testing done on those. I'm hoping it'll be use and we'll, it'll, we'll start having the anecdotes about how well they did coming back. Oh yes. Yes. Um, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, well, <clears throat> I guess then, I mean, this has been very helpful. So, I guess if before we kind of leave off here, um, I just wanted to end with like one final um, question. And that, that being, do you have in a way to sum up kind of our conversation, if you have like three kind of top tips um, for the audience to looking to ensure that their um, building air quality is sufficient during COVID-19 with, um, you know, based on all the things you said with filter upgrades, uh, air cleaners, making sure you can prove that these are working. Do you have like a three top tips? For, I think you just uh, gave my audience? summary. <laughs> the first one is to make sure your HVAC is working like it's supposed to to start with. You know, that your filter is relatively well sealed, that your temperature and humidity controls are in there, that you don't have mold growing, you know, all that stuff before you even get started. Add the filtration that you can, being careful look at other options if needed. And what I always want to tell people, don't panic. Do what you can do. It's not going to be perfect. 
If you can improve the situation, great. And if you're confused, go to the ASHRAE ETF website, go to the NAFA website, go to the CDC website, or call people like me and ask questions. Mm -hmm. With the ASHRAE ETF, there's a COVID at COVID-19 at ASHRAE.org. We're answering questions. Even if you just need to say, I think this is what makes sense, and you want a second person to hear you, hear you out, it can't hurt to ask somebody. A lot of us are trying to help people, not charging them for small questions and stuff this year. But we all are very pleased that there's people out there that are trying to improve the situation to help people to stay healthy. Gotcha. Well, I, I couldn't ask for uh, more helpful information from you. So I really appreciate you hopping on this with us, uh, Kathleen. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and we can sign off here um, for the audience. If uh, you have, would like to see any more information, check the show notes from this. Uh, please visit our website at i-clair.com. That's i-q-l-a-i-r.com. Thank you and uh, everyone have a great day.